The teachings of General Conference are the considerations the Lord would have before us now and in the months ahead. Our marching orders for each six months are found in the General Conference addresses. For the next six months, your conference edition of the Ensign should stand next to your standard works and be referred to frequently. I encourage you to read the talks once again and to ponder the messages contained therein. I exhort you to study the messages of this conference frequently, even repeatedly, during the next six months. Hello, you're listening to the Conference Talk Podcast, where it's conference weekend every weekend. Each weekend, we discuss talks from the most recent General Conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yep, we'll share some insights, make some connections, and have a bit of fun as well as we study the words of the awesome men and women that God has called to direct His Church in the Latter Days. I'm Erin Rodebaugh. And I'm Meg Tilton. This episode, we're talking about Elder Suarez's talk, In Awe of Christ and His Gospel. So, I don't think Elder Suarez needs much of an introduction. He is a member of the Quorum of the Twelve, although relatively new. He is foreign, which is great. He's from Brazil. That's about all I know about Elder Suarez. My question is, is it Elder Suarez talk or Elder Suarez's talk? (laughs) I'm not sure. One or the other. Anyway. I'm going to say Suarez. Yeah. I'm not going to make it plural. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so um, this talk was a really great talk. It talked about just being in awe of Jesus Christ and really becoming a better disciple of Jesus Christ. And the thing that I really took away from this talk that I loved was he talked about a lot of the blessings of becoming more engaged in the gospel and becoming a better disciple. What did you find that you liked? Yeah, so I I love that too. Uh, to be perfectly honest, this talk kind of flew under the radar for me. It wasn't the one one of the mm-hmm. ones that really stood out to me during conference. And so when I went back to read it, I I kind of felt a little bad because I think this is a gem of a talk. And I think it's really important um, for us to remember, um, like he talks about this awe of Jesus Christ and his mission and what he's done. He talks about um, that if we have, you know, maintain this awe, we're happier, we're more enthusiastic. We recognize the Lord's hand. Um, Our study of the scriptures is more meaningful our prayers are more intentional, our worship is more reverent, our service is more diligent, like all of these good things, which really work hand in hand, I think, with um, President Nelson's um, call to have more spiritual momentum in our lives. I think that this awe is maybe like a key to that um, to happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I loved all the, the blessings that you talked about. And Um, I think that who wouldn't want those blessings in their life, right? Who wouldn't want all of those things to come about? But I think the other, he kind of talked about the the flip side of that is that a lot of people are not in awe of Jesus Christ because they kind of get into this apathy, like this, just like, oh, everything's fine. I have everything I want, you know? And he says, um, he says in here, it, the, the apathy generally begins when we are feeling that we have already attained all the necessary knowledge and blessings for our happiness in this life. And when I read that, I actually kind of like chuckled because I'm like, is there somebody who really thinks that they have all the knowledge and blessings that they would ever want? 
Like I've, I'm like, I want to meet that person because, you know, who is that person that thinks that they have everything already? But I think really what he's probably saying there, and I think he does say it a little bit in a different way than I'm going to say it, but it's like that we have enough, right? It's good enough. Like I don't really need more. It's just fine the way it is. And I think that um, we, yeah, I think that we can do that with Heavenly Father a lot. Like we limit him in what he is willing and able to bless us with because we're like, well, this is good. Like it's all good. I don't need a whole lot of more, a lot more, you know, I'm just good with what I have. And I I think that that's interesting. I I do too, because uh, I think that we slip into that complacency maybe more than we, we think like he, he uses the word apathy too. And, and I'm like, well, certainly I'm not apathetic, but then he kind of equates that to complacency. And then I had to really kind of look at myself and say, you know what? I think I do that sometimes. I kind of feel like, yeah, I'm good. I, I figured this out. I, I'm on the right path. I'm like doing what I should do. And, um, maybe I'm not pushing myself quite as much as I should, um, as I should be. And I actually asked myself the question and maybe we can talk about this a little bit. So what does my life look like when I'm being complacent, when I've slipped into this complacent space without even maybe realizing I have? So I was thinking about some things like, um, you know, I'm just kind of jumping through the hoops. I'm not giving a lot of bandwidth in my mind to spiritual things. Um, in fact, I, I am embarrassed to kind of admit this, but you know, this has been kind of a, a stressful kind of busy summer, like most people's summers are crazy. And I was just thinking, you know, when's the last time I really talked to my kids about the gospel other than in a church or come follow me setting? Like, is it on my mind? Like it should be 24 seven or have other things kind of pushed it out. So that's one thing I think complacency can show up like that. Um, Maybe I'm feeling like more judgy towards other people or a a word I learned today from speaking with a friend, stabby. Like I'm just feeling like just kind of annoyed and critical of everyone I see or of the church or, you know, I'm kind of in that kind of fault finding mindset. Um, And maybe my, my, uh, my service just kind of becomes like a to-do list, you know, where I'm just checking off boxes, but I'm not feeling that like love, um, that charity that I should be feeling. What about you? Yeah, I think that that's really true. In fact, I was thinking when you were talking, I'm like, that's probably why in the church we are given callings that rotate a lot, right? Because I think you can get into a calling and you become pretty complacent. You're like, okay, I have this figured out. I know what I'm supposed to do. I can just kind of go through the motions. And then Heavenly Father's like, well, now I'm going to give you this calling. And I'm going to kind of say this because Aaron and I both teach seminary. So seminary is not something that really... I think you could fall into complacency with seminary, but seminary keeps you on your toes because you're getting a new class every year and uh, with different personalities as we're both learning because we've got new classes this year. And so you have to kind of stay on your toes a little bit and say, okay, that worked with that class last year. Now what's going to work with this and how do I convey the spirit and how do I, you know, not getting complacent into the way that I'm teaching or, looking at the gospel, how can I adapt it to these students? But I think that's, I think too, that's really what the mortal experience is about. It's why things 
change. It's why there's seasons, you know, because if we had, like you were saying, like summer was crazy, like, well, if we had summer all year round, we would just kind of get complacent, but we don't, we have like these seasons that we go through that change things up and like kind of force us to not get complacent. Yeah, I think trials do that too. Kind of like you're saying with callings, you know, they kind of keep you off balance. The same thing, life throws you challenges that help you to not stay in that place where you can kind of cruise and be in cruise control because, you know, life just doesn't let you stay in that place for very long. Um, I think one mm-hmm. thing too, when I have to kind of do a little self-assessment on on my own spirituality am I being complacent? I have to think, when's the last spiritual experience that I had? You know, is has it been a while? Has it been, you know, months? Has it been years? You know, the best spiritual experiences, mm-hmm. are they, you know, 30 years ago from my mission? You know, I'm ho- hopefully not. I think he mm-hmm. kind of makes a point of this too. In the very beginning, he says, um, may the remembrance of what our eyes have seen and our hearts have felt increase our amazement at the Savior's atoning sacrifice. So that helps us to not be complacent, to remember that awe, that feeling of amazement about Jesus. If we've had, you know, current spiritual experiences that we can look back on. Um, And I think when we start to forget those or when they start to become infrequent, um, maybe we're in a place where we're being complacent. Yeah. I mean, in the scriptures, right, I think one of the most biggest commandments is to remember. It's like, remember, 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 (laughs) you know, constantly like remember. And I think that that's really interesting. I have a friend who she, she openly admits like she hasn't been super active and you know, she's struggled a little bit sometimes with some things in the gospel, but she's like, I've had so many positive and defining moments that she's like, I don't think I could ever fully walk away, which I think, is good. Yeah. I mean, I wish she would engage more in the in the gospel, of course, but I'm like, she has those memories that are keeping her going. Um, but I do think that you bring up a good point. Like, are we creating new memories yeah. that are fortifying those uh, past memories? Yeah. And because those are really important. Yeah, it's funny because um, my husband, Darren, and I were talking about miracles and how President Nelson has basically promised us to expect miracles. That's part of our spiritual momentum, you know. Um, you keep the commandments, you can expect miracles. And and I was just talking about that. Oh, I haven't had any miracles. And, and Darren looked at me like, are you crazy? And then we started talking about all the miracles that we really have seen, but they may not be, you know, huge miracles where someone would say, oh, that's a miracle. Knowing our situation in our lives and being able to look back and say, oh, yeah, that was a miracle and this is a miracle. And it's interesting that since I've been looking for miracles, um, finding them more and more, um, mm-hmm. a friend said, you know, when she was pregnant, all of a sudden everyone she saw was pregnant because that's what she was looking for. She was looking for other people who were pregnant. I remember when I learned that the people started saying 24 7, you know, I was doing this 24 7. All of a sudden everyone was saying that like phrase. And I was mm-hmm. like, did this just get invented or what happened? You know? So I think a lot of times we've had spiritual experiences. Maybe we just haven't been looking for them, but if we are, that I think helps um, increase that awe in, you know, how Jesus is showing up in our lives because we we're looking for him. So we find him. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, he, he goes in this talk, he brings up a really good point and I wrote next to it, um, pride cycle. Cause he says, you know, we, if we're not looking for things, then we start to doubt regarding the truths we have already received. And those things may enter our heart and make us vulnerable to the enemy's temptations. And I'm like, that's so interesting because we see the pride cycle so clearly in the book of Mormon, you know, um, even in the old Testament, I mean, we're studying the old Testament and there's constant pride cycle in that. Right. And so, um, you know, but it's because like, that's really where the, the doubt comes in is when we have pride and when we're like, Oh, is this really true? And I don't know. And, you know, and we start to question everything. And, And I don't think it's a bad thing to have questions, but to question the validity of something based on unfound sources or somebody's opinion or whatever can be, you can, you have to be really careful of that. I think that's that's where doubting comes in, doubting versus asking questions. Cause I think questioning is like, you know, you're going on a quest, right? You're searching for an answer where doubt is you're just kind of like stuck in this place of where you're wavering and you're not moving and you're not acting. So Mm -hmm. yeah, those are two totally different things, but I agree. Complacency can lead to that. I think really quickly. Mm -hmm. In fact, he says in his, um, in his talk that complacency is the deadly foe of spiritual growth. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. that, I think it's really important to, yeah, to remember to do, do a self check. Am I being complacent, you know? Um, and then to try to get yourself out of it. And maybe that's what we can talk about next. Like, how do you get yourself out of it? When you find yourself, you're like, I'm stagnating. I'm not growing. I've got no momentum. You know, what do I do? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think he sets that up kind of nicely. Um, in the middle of his talk, he kind of, um, talks about an if then Mm -hmm. there's kind of an if then there, you know, um, where he says, when we intentionally and truly dedicate ourselves to look unto him and learn from his perfect example, We come to know him better. We grow in enthusiasm and desire to incorporate into our lives the ultimate standard of how we should live, example we should act, we should set, and the commandments we should follow. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the opposite of complacency is intentionality, right? Like, it's and that's really where we are using our agency to purposely create or learn or move forward in our life instead of just saying, I'm just going to be the agent, you know, this agent that things are acted upon me instead of I'm going to create. Right. I love, I love that. It's so, it's so much easier to say though, <laughs> I'm going to be intentional because life gets going and you do feel like you're kind of like, you know, a speeding train going down a track and you, you can't do anything. Like you're just on this like track and life's just happening to you. So I think that's that's really important. I feel like it's kind of cyclical too. Like, you know, the more you are intentional about reading your scriptures and worshiping Sabbath on the Sabbath day and going to the temple and just making everything really um, mean something, you know, you're going to not be complacent. And um, that in turn will help you to be more intentional and worship better. You know, it's just like this upward spiral kind of thing. And maybe that's what president Nelson's talking about when he's, he's about momentum. Cause once you get up ahead of steam, then, you know, it's hard to stop you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. 
Was there anything else that stuck out to you? Well, so just at the beginning, like I was just reading all these words and I just, this is why I feel like it's kind of a gem of a talk for me. I mean, all these words are so positive and good, like joyful, enthusiasm, awe, spiritual wonder, amazement. These are all just such like words that I want to have in my life, you know? Um, and so I was just thinking, it kind of reminded me of a, you mentioned we teach seminary and we just had a, it seems like all week we've been talking about the plan of salvation, um, having an eternal perspective, um, thinking like a disciple of Christ. And we had this lesson where I had the kids make, do an egg drop sort of, and they had to make like a, you know, out of materials, a little cushiony thing for their eggs so that we could drop it from a ladder and they wanted to see if it would break or not. And um, most of the kids actually, amazingly, (laughs) their eggs did not break, which I was shocked because I did not give them very good materials. Um, We we had over, over half the eggs survive. But as we were talking about it, we came back in the classroom and I asked them to tell me how this was like the plan of salvation, specifically our earth life. And they were coming up with a lot of good things. And I said, well, there's one one way this is not like our earth life is that, you know, nobody's egg is going to get through without a crack. We're all going to get cracked. We're going to sin. We're going to have people be mean to us. We're going to hurt. We're going to have pain. We're going to have trials. Um, we're going to get cracked. Um, and I asked them, I said, well, what do you do with an egg when it gets cracked? And they're like, you just make scrambled eggs. Like you can't go back. There's no way to go back. And I said, well, yep, there's no way to go back. Is that how it is with our lives? I guess it is. And they were all looking at me like, what? What? <laughs> and I was like, is that true? Is that, you know, we're going to get cracked and that's all there is to it? And they were like, no. And so then we started talking about the Savior and that he, there's no way to fix an egg. There's nowhere for us to fix the cracks in our lives that are going to happen 100%. But he can. And and as I was telling them this, the awe and wonder of that reality just came to me. And it was a spiritual moment for me. I, I don't know what they thought of that. Maybe it was for them too. But all of a sudden I was like, wow, guys, this is a is a miracle. And all of a sudden I was feeling that spiritual wonder. I was feeling that awe because I knew I know that Christ can do that. Jesus can do that for us. He can fix our cracks. And I mean, that's really what the plan of salvation is all about because we're going to get cracked, but he can save us. And what a joyful, enthusiastic, spiritually wonderful, amazing thing that is. So I was thinking, you know, how can I keep that in my heart, that, you know, feeling I felt this week with the seminary kids? How can I keep that with me, you know, all the time? Because I want to feel that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's hard, right? I mean, we all want that spiritual thing there all the time and it's cyclical though. Like you're saying, right? I was just thinking, oh, go ahead. ahead. Well, I liked what you said at the beginning when you were talking about this experience and you said, I was actually really shocked about how many eggs didn't break because I gave them terrible materials. And I think that that's one thing that people think, okay, to be in awe of Christ, oh my gosh, it's going to take so much time, so much energy, so much, I need like all the best. It's got to be perfect. like perfect. Yeah. 
And it doesn't like it's the small and simple things. It doesn't really like an egg is is hardy. Yes, eggs break. We will break. We will have cracks and we will need to be healed. But we're also very resilient. And like, but the thing, the steps have been put in place for us to be able to be protected from a lot of unnecessary, like, because there's life that happens to you, right? That you have cracks and things that happen. And then there's like, I'm purposely launching myself off of this ladder. (laughs) And I get no padding and I'm just going to go for it. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And it's like, well, you actually don't have to do that. Like you, there is like a cushion. Like if you follow certain things, then you don't have to worry about that. So yeah. And I was, so I was thinking maybe one thing that can help me at least not be complacent, not be apathetic, but to have this awe and joy and spiritual wonder in my life is really just remembering why, like thinking like a disciple, having that eternal perspective. Why am I doing what I'm doing? And it's really because I love Jesus. I just love him, you know, and I want to be like him and I want to spread that light and joy and awe and enthusiasm to everybody that I meet. And I think that if I if you can keep that wonder, you know, in your life, I think that, you know, it's just going to be contagious and it's going to be hard to be complacent because you're going to have that, you know, and that's a small thing. It really isn't a big thing. So that's what I'm going to say. Yeah. He he does say in there, in order to be able to keep that awe and have that awe, we have to learn of him. We have to immerse ourselves in the scriptures and learn of the life and attributes of the savior, you know, and his divine attributes will be written on our, in our minds and hearts. And then we can become more like him and we can walk and, and that, what does he say? And that we will walk with him, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think, yeah, that's, that's really true. I mean, people are always saying like, how do I become more Christ-like? Well, you have to learn what he was like and the only way that you can learn who he was and what he was like is to study him in the, in the scriptures. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, everyone's, you know, if you've tried to do this and you felt how this feels, you felt that joy, you felt that peace. He talks a lot about peace in this talk too. And you Mm -hmm. just don't want to walk without it. Walking with him Mm -hmm. is so much better. It's so much better. No matter what you're walking through, you know, no, Mm -hmm. no matter how dark it is or, how hot the fire is or whatever, or how beautiful your life is at the moment. It's always better when you're walking with him always. Mm -hmm. And so you just, once you felt that you just don't want to lose it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just an elevated place to, you know, be doing your life from. So. Yep. Agreed. Okay. Well, that was awesome. So go be awed by Christ. That's the takeaway. <laughs> Let yourself be awed. Yeah, check, for and sure. And check yourself. Am I being complacent right now? Yeah. Because it happens to everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, am I living an intentional life? You know, because like you said, I do think it's really easy to get into. I, I don't know that it was. I would. It's not intentional complacency a lot mm-hmm. of times. It's. Oh yeah, most of the time I think it is. All of a sudden you just feel like, oh, wow, you know, my spiritual Mm -hmm. muscles are starting to atrophy because I've been letting maybe the world 
you know, become a priority where I should, I should let Jesus be my priority first. And that mm-hmm. reminds me of Elder Uchtdorf's talk from conference too about balance, you know, how we need to put the first things first and then everything else is going to fall into line. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Conference Talk podcast. This episode, we discussed Elder Suarez's address, address, not address, in awe of Christ and his gospel. If you enjoyed this episode, give us a five-star rating. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you get podcasts. You can find links to all our podcast platforms on our website, conferencetalk.org. Conferencetalk.org is also where you can follow us on social media, drop us a comment, check out the show notes, find the resources we mentioned in the episodes, and learn more about us, your hosts. So if you want to follow me, Meg Tilton, you can find me on Instagram at Meg Tilton Coaching, or even on Facebook at the same thing, or email me at Meg at MegTiltonCoaching.com. And you can become one of my like 25 followers on Instagram. (laughs) which are mostly my seminary kids and my children. Um, I think it's just Aaron Rodaba on Instagram or the same thing on Facebook. But while we always appreciate new followers, we bet it's better to follow the prophet and the apostles themselves. Yep. Although we love speaking about the church and our leaders, we don't speak for, for them. Everything said on the podcast represents our own personal opinions. So join us next week for some more personal opinions on the next Conference Talk podcast.